So I would say, if I was in court, objection, non-responsive. <laughs> Tired of it. Try again. Try again, <laughs> Mo Willems. Welcome to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. Today we are talking about Knuffle Bunny. Or Nuffle Bunny. Or Knuffle Bunny. Or Nuffle Bunny. Or Knuffle Bunny. Or Nuffle Bunny by Mo Willems. Well, yeah, by Mo Willems. Children's picture book. Children's picture book featuring our guest today, Julie, from our city attorney's office. She's an assistant city attorney, so we were on our best behavior. And we get to hear all about what she gets to do, and it's pretty fascinating stuff, friends. Yeah, if you've ever watched one of those courtroom dramas, we ask her some hard-hitting questions about whether or not that's realistic. I object, Olivia. (laughs) So we um, discuss Nuffle Bunny, Bunny. either or, and we discuss the proper pronunciation of the title Uh and the fact that it was book one of what became a trilogy by Mo Willems. And if you don't recognize that book series, because maybe you didn't have kids in the late 2000s, early 2010s, you might recognize Elephant and Piggy or the Pigeon series, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. Uh, the newest one of those actually came out in September after quite a hiatus, so that's pretty exciting. But hopefully you've read something by Mo Willems. If you haven't, friends, I highly recommend you check them out because his books are a lot of fun. Kids cannot get enough of Mo Willems. We can't keep him on the shelf here. Their kids are just coming in. Just and even if you're an adult, you just need to read the books because they're cute. They're funny. I highly recommend Goldilocks and the Three Dinosaurs. Classic Mo Willems. I really liked Knuffle Bunny. I was not mm-hmm. at all sure if I would, I haven't read a picture book in a few decades. I think the best quote is clabble, gargle, flabble. It really says everything right there. It does. Also, and this is very off topic because this is a program for adults, so not at all for children. We have a new passive program happening at the library, and that's a little library jargon for a program where you don't actually have to come to the library at a specific time to participate. Uh, this program is called Mailbox Mysteries. Ooh. So what you will do is you can just hop on the computer, sign up, and then we will send you in the mail, real mail, letters mm. from people who are trying to solve a mystery. And so you'll get four letters over the course of the oh. month, all with little clues. People who are involved in the mystery are going to be writing to you, giving you background on all the different characters. Wow. I know it's really fun. The registration deadline is January 30th, so get on that right away, and then you will have the chance, once you get all your letters compiled and you you know take your notes and pull all the clues together, you can submit your guess for who the culprit is in the mystery and try to solve the mystery for us. Besides proof that you're an amazing human being, if you figure out the mystery, is yes. there a prize? There is. Yeah, there is going to be a prize, TBD. So Mm. stay tuned for that. Thank you, as always, to our friends for sponsoring this program and all of our programs. Olivia, that sounds like a fantastic program for adults here in Troy. Thank you. So sign up. Great work. You don't even have to leave your house. You get cool stuff in the mail. What's better than that? Snail mail. I love it. I know. I love it. Do you think snails get mad that a slow form of communication is named after them? Or do you think they're like, yeah. Finally, somebody is celebrating us because we leave gross trails on the ground. Yeah, all I can think and about is that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll end on a high note. <laughs> Cheers to snails. Go you, snails. You, <laughs> Team snails. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
So you have to. So you are in like a in court, mm-hmm. like the TV shows. Is it like the TV shows? No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> much less exciting. What's different? It's just it, there's a lot of downtime. Okay, you know, there's a lot of. You, we just saw a few good men um, on stage. The, over this weekend and we, there's nothing like you know the jack nicholson you can't handle the truth you uh-huh. need me on that wall you want me on that wall like there's nothing ever really revealing like like that i mean sometimes there is but it just there's no big reveal no there's i mean usually everybody knows the answers to all of the questions that they're that they're asking they're prepared <laughs> yeah wait but isn't it you don't know the answers if like the other lawyer is asking you or is that not real either no, like in the civil realm of things, like we do dis- the discovery process ahead of time. So if they've done their due diligence, they've done their homework, then mm-hmm. they should know the answer. The, maybe what you're thinking of is there's an old adage in law, don't don't ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. so the lawyers already know what the answers are. Going well, to. they hope that they know what their client especially is going to answer. Right, yeah, because <laughs> they've talked about it already. Right. All right, so... Um, do we want to start maybe, Julie, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little about what you do at the city? Yeah, sure. So my name is Julie Quinlan Dufresne. I am one of the assistant city attorneys for the city of Troy. And what that means is, um, what I like to say is 50% of what we do is handling the criminal prosecutions for the city of Troy. And then the other half of what we do is related to other more traditional municipal type law. Um, we handle um, civil litigation. So if someone sues the city, we defend the city and we defend, um, the employees. Um, we handle, I handle FOIA, so Freedom of Information Act Mm -hmm. requests and lawsuits. Um, I may, I am the liaison attorney for the planning commission. So I attend all of those meetings and I handle any lawsuits that stem from, from that, um, that department. Uh, we also handle zoning board of appeals meetings, um, you know any any city entity or, or department or board that has or boards that have um, meetings. There's always there's typically an attorney, whether it's me, Laura, city attorney Lori Bloom, mm-hmm. or one of my other colleagues, Alan or Nikki. Did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer? Nope. Really? <laughs> How did no. you come to it? I came to it because I didn't know. I went as poli sci communications English major, and okay. I wasn't sure exactly what else I wanted to do. And I did. I wasn't done being in when I graduated from college. I wasn't done being in school, and so oh, law school. That, that seems like mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I kind of I didn't have that path. I don't have any lawyers in my in my family, so yeah. That's similar to my journey to being a librarian too. I was an English major, and I knew I wanted to do something with words and with and with people, and I knew I wanted to do that kind of communication and connection thing with the community. And I was done with school, and I was like, well, I could, I could stand to do a little bit more. I could get my master's degree. Same. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So we're kindred. You're our first yeah. lawyer, so this is very exciting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use you to get out of my next speeding ticket. <gasps> like, yeah, I know, well, I know you, somebody I'm going to. Well, we'll do that going forward. We'll set that up. All right, so we are talking about... How do you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. I even, <laughs> this is a conversation, and it comes up in what the second book? It does. Yeah. yeah. So the book is Knuffle Bunny, mm-hmm. but today we're going to be talking about all three. It was a trilogy. Um, I think the first one. Let me flip it open. I should have written this down. Came out in two thousand and four. He followed it up with Knuffle Bunny Two, a case of mistaken identity. And Nuffle Bunny Free or Knuffle Bunny. I say Nuffle Bunny. I'm going to keep saying Nuffle Bunny. Yeah, so. I'm acknowledging that. 
I know Olivia's acknowledging it by making huge eyes at me right now. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> say it the way Mo wants you to. <laughs> so, Knuffelbunny, a.k.a. Knuffelbunny. The first one is, uh, it starts when Trixie, uh, the main character, um, little girl, she's not quite talking yet. She goes on um, a walk with her dad through New York City to go do laundry and they get about halfway home and she tries to communicate something to her dad and uses baby speech, gargle, flarble, flaggle, and the dad can't figure out what's wrong. And she starts screaming the whole way home. They get to the front door. Mom opens the door and says, where's Knuffle Bunny, which is Trixie's little stuffed bunny. So they all run back and they find Knuffle Bunny, Knuffle Bunny somehow was stuck in the wash machine at the, at the uh, cleaners. At the laundromat, sorry, not the dry cleaners, the laundromat. And the cool thing about this book, um, Mo Willems got a Caldecott honor, which we have talked about Caldecott um, awards on the podcast before. The Caldecott is the best art um, in a children's picture book generally in the year. So it got, it didn't get the main prize, it got an honor. But the cool thing about this book is there are drawings that Mo Willems um, did, but he also incorporates pictures of New York City from that time when they actually lived there when he was writing this book. I think they lived in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. What drew you to this book, Julie? So there was much consternation in my house mm. as to who this book was originally given to, whether it was my daughter who was born in 2005 or my son who was born in 2003. And my daughter insists that it was a gift for her, but because the book was written before she was born i'm pretty sure it was given to my to my son who had a very special bunny mm. who we called bunny mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like i said i i didn't pick these gifts out it was a gift um from my sister to one of my kids but it soon became um a favorite in our house and then when the other two books were released. Um, well, the second book for sure that one became another favorite. The third book, the kids were a little bit older. That one's from 2010, and the kids were older by that point, so I don't think it resonated as much with mm-hmm. with them. My both my kids had loveys. Yeah. Um, like I said, my son had a bunny, and my daughter had a bear. Again, mm-hmm. <laughs> we weren't very creative with names. <laughs> bear was called bear, <laughs> and they they went everywhere with us. Yeah. And and it it. it you know, things got left behind in, in places and the kids, like I said, they, the story, it was fun. It was fun to read too, yeah. right? You, cause you, you alluded to the, some of the, the baby, the baby mm-hmm. talk that, that Trixie has, the gurgle, gurgle, blah, blah. And like as a parent, you could, I could totally relate to the situation that the dad finds himself in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, I, I'm sorry, honey, I don't understand what you're saying. Yep. You know, please don't get, don't throw a tantrum. And then by the end, you know, the dad is like, this is your kid. <laughs> yeah. I love the picture where she's throwing the temper tantrum and she's doing the, um, what is it called? Like the limp fish thing where, or the boneless fish where kids just like do that thing and you're trying not to drop them because yeah. they go totally boneless. Yes. And I love the concerned citizens faces as the dad is trying to carry her back home and she's losing her mind. I'm sure people are like, what is happening? Is this guy really her father? What is going on? But anyone that's been a parent or worked with kids knows this is... This is the full meltdown, right? I think that was the, the when when Mo Willems used the word um, boneless. That was the first time I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what they they're going they're going boneless. But I think the other thing, just to finish up answering your question, that drew us to these books as you know, there's you've got these interesting you know fun character you know cartoons, but it's also set against 
like you said, the, the photographs. And so as, you know, the parent, you read lots of, you know, children's books and it's all the same kind of cartoonish looking char- characters. But this had some interest to the adult and the, the parent as well. And there were, there's some parts of the books that I would point out like, oh, like in the next, the next book, they, they go to preschool and I'd be like, oh, that's what the inside of the preschool looks like. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could have conversations about real, the real photographs. So I think that was the other reason it became a favorite in our house. That was interesting. I listened to a interview with Mo Willems. I think it was on Reading Rockets. That's where all the best interviews are, I'm finding. Um, but they asked him about the photographs, and he said, um, okay, so here's a quote from him. He said, when I took these photographs, my neighborhood didn't look as good as it looked to me when I'm walking down the street because there are air conditioners coming out of these Victorian buildings. There are garbage cans everywhere. There's trash. All of this stuff is very distracting to the reality of the street, and it's not how these streets felt. So I spent an, an inordinate amount of time getting rid of that stuff. So he actually edited the photographs, which I didn't know either. So that adds like a whole other element of complexity to the artwork too, that he really wanted the pictures to look like how it felt to him when he walked mm-hmm. around the city. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. <laughs> can't believe he edited out the garbage of New York City. <laughs> it's true. It's like, okay, but you, you don't, don't see leave that, that in. <laughs> Maybe you just get numb to it after a while. That's its own character. That's where Oscar the, the Grouch garbage, lives. Right, true. <laughs> Sesame heap. Street didn't There's edit it out. There's a can behind that heap that Mo Willems edited out. I wonder if that was why he only got an honor and not the actual award yeah. from the Caldecott, because they're like, this is too cleaned up. Yeah. This yeah. is in New York City. It's unrealistic. <laughs> what is this, Boston I'm looking at? That is a clean city. Is it? Yes. I've only been once. I do remember it being pretty clean. Boston was very clean, and... I lived in Massachusetts for five years, and the first go-round, I lived there for two and a half years, came home for grad school, moved back out there for two and a half years, but when I lived there the first time, I um, had a disgusting habit of smoking, and I remember going to Boston, you just didn't see people walking around smoking like you mm. did in other places, and I remember feeling like so unclean. They're all trying <laughs> for the probably Because there was nowhere to put it. I was just like, uh, uh, <laughs> you can't put it on the street, people are looking at me. But, did they yes. judge you when they walked by Yuck. Yeah. Rude. Did, did it help you a quit? People say yuck. Um, yeah, no. Did they, oh, no. Living in a really bad neighborhood alone helped me quit. Ah, when I moved oh. to a rough neighborhood around Cleveland, that was, uh, that's all it took. Well, it's so. a good, a good tip for those out there who are trying to kick the habit. Yeah. There you go. Just, just live somewhere you're scared have to Have neighbors outside. you don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> It'll kick a lot of habits, I'm sure. <laughs> So how do you, did you have anything like that when you were young, Julia, uh, something that, like a toy or something that you felt so bonded to? Lovey. No, I did not have a lovey. I I, I feel like I missed out. My sister, both of my sisters had loveys, but I I did not. I didn't either. Did you, Amanda, have anything like that? I did. Knew it. I had a, um, this little, I still have it actually. It's in my library at home. He's about this big. Um, So for people at home, He's larger than a softball, smaller than a bowling ball. He used to be bright yellow, and he had the... So I was born in 1980. But do you remember those patterns in the late 70s, early 80s, like the floral patterns and things, where it'd be like white fabric and all these like yellow and pink flowers? Mm. So his (laughs) paws, when you flip them over, he was a weird-looking rabbit. He only had two paws that he sat on. He was like a ball with two paws and then these really big floppy ears. I'm going to send you a picture when I get home later. And I just called him Bunny. And then I had a little stuffed pig who was Piggy, who actually reminds me Piggy and Elephant. My Piggy reminds me of Gerald the pig 
which is also Mo Willems. I don't Mm -hmm. know if your kids read those. I did some research and a little bit of reading, and there was a Guardian article called Why Children Become So Attached to Toys and Comfort Blankets. Interestingly enough, they said children in Western society um, are more likely to have things that they're attached to, whether it's a blanket, a stuffed bunny, stuffed bear, than children in Eastern cultures. And they said one of their theories is because um, I know some people do – can't think of what it's called where you share your bed when, with your kids when they're little co-sleeping but co-sleeping yeah so they said because our culture generally has kids in cribs earlier in their own beds they think that that's actually part of it versus a lot of eastern cultures they keep the infants in the beds with them longer until they're a little bit older so hmm. i thought that was kind of interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense that does make sense yeah because you're trying to have some kind of comfort thing if it's not your parents especially like if it's i had a blanket too when i was a kid it's like that warmth but yeah. also they were saying because children tend to, anth- is it anthropomorphize things where you give it that personality so you can talk to it and everything and you're imagining the responses that you would get beginning from your parents if or caregivers if you shared their space with them. So right. I thought that was very interesting. That's amazing. Because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, my mom stayed at home with us until I was in high school. So it's like she was around, but... Yeah, and they do have that active imagination, so mm-hmm. they make it into like a friend, an ally. That's nice. Mm-hmm. That's sweet mm-hmm. that we have that capability. Was there anything else in that article that was interesting that you wanted to share? Actually, there was. So they did an experiment with children, and they took a cabinet and told the kids that it was a magic duplicator, and they had the kids put their toys in there, and they would close the door and like knock it. And then the doors would open and there would be an actual duplicate of the toy. I guess they probably asked the parents in advance what the kids' toys were. So one of the examples was one kid's toy was he liked this green block. So they went out and found the exact same one. And they were saying that um, after they made this duplicate, they would ask the children if they wanted to switch the toy and take the duplicate. And they said um, the majority of the children didn't want the duplicate And when they asked them why, the kids couldn't articulate it, but they got the sense that the children said there was something about their toy that would not be in the duplicate. Mm -hmm. So the kids felt like there was something kind of unique or magical in in the original. Fascinating. That would not be in the duplicate. Which brings us to the second book. (gasps) Yes. Do you (laughs) want to explain what happens in book two, which is Knuffle Bunny 2, A Case of Mistaken Identity? Right. So in the follow-up book, Trixie is um, a little bit older. She's going off to preschool. She can definitely talk. And as the book portrays, she she talks up a storm. And they apparently have some sort of show-and-tell day at school. And Trixie's very excited to bring her one-of-a-kind Knuffle Bunny. And when she gets to school, she discovers that another little girl in the in her class, Sonia, has the exact same knuffle bunny, and that brings about a lot of consternation among the two girls. Like whose whose knuffle bunny is better? And as we talked about in the beginning, um, there was a, there's a discussion, not discussion. There's a there's a, a fight over is it a knuffle bunny or is it nuffle bunny? Um, and then eventually, the teacher takes both bunnies away from the girls, puts the puts the bunny up, and um, at the end of the day, the, the bunnies are given back to the girls. But as luck would have it, they're switched. Mm-hmm. But neither of the girls uh, recognize that their bunnies are, have been switched until, of course, the middle of the night. Both girls go into their parents' room and you know 
they need to have their bunnies back. And so they do another race across the across Brooklyn or New York, wherever the book uh-huh. is set, and they make an exchange and the girls get their uh, their uh, own bunnies back. And that's, um, you know, at the end of the story, the, the end of the story is, oh, that's how Trixie, you know, got her first best friend. And the one thing we didn't mention, the, the, what's endearing about the first Knuffle Bunny book is, you know, her first word was Knuffle Bunny. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of what was, you know, sort of sweet at the end of that book. She's, you know, because the whole thing is, oh, she can't talk. And so her first words were Knuffle Bunny. And then this, the, the, the moral, not the moral, but the end of the book is Trixie makes her, her first best friend over having the same exact bunny. Aside from Knuffle Bunny. I like that he put the little asterisk in there and he's like, aside from Knuffle Bunny. Right. Oh, yes. First, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her first friend. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's going back to that conversation of like, how do kids know it's that magic? They just know. And she wakes up in two in the morning and says, this isn't this, my bunny. Yeah, this isn't my bunny. And I think it's so funny. The dad goes to reach for the telephone and call and it rings. And the other dad's like, you have our bunny. And they have this like wonderful meeting in the middle of the night to switch bunnies is kind of like a little covert meeting. The city is dark. It's right. the middle of the night, like during almost the witching hour and they're switching bunnies. But again, as a parent, you can, I can totally, not, not that specific thing didn't happen, but you know, kids have these revelations in the middle of the night and they come knocking on your door. Like I can, you can put yourself as a parent in mm-hmm. that, in that situation. Um, maybe it's the smell. Cause your, your house has a smell. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going to college and coming home one weekend after not being home for a few weeks and walking in and it's like, it just smells so familiar to you. I think you're right. It's like, you know, it's not your own thing if it doesn't smell right, feel right. Right. Even like the way they hug their stuff. I wonder if it's like when you squeeze a toy long enough or you sleep on things long enough, like your pillow, it's got that groove for your body. Good point. I yeah. almost wondered if like one sleeps a certain way and the other sleeping a different way, there might be like too much stuffing around the belly or too much stuffing around the neck where it's not normally there. So think about like my daughter and I have um, a pair of slippers that are similar and I always know, with, you know, when I'm wearing hers because her feet fit in the slippers differently yes. so maybe yeah maybe it's something yeah. to do with that mm-hmm. different fit and feel i think it's sweet that the parents um acknowledge the importance of the bunny too like even though we as adults don't for the most part adults ne- don't necessarily have a comfort object and then but the the parents understand the importance of the kids what what you can totally cut this but i feel like some parents comfort objects is like alcohol <laughs> you were saying that and i was like are you sure are you sure yeah maybe i think that comfort is runs both ways though or maybe it's 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 a, they're competing right you as the parent know that this bunny or this blanket or ever gets lost and you know there's going to be you know oh my gosh what how are we going to how are we going to deal with this thing that that gets lost and you also recognize that it's important to your to your child Mm -hmm. yeah but you also know it's important you know to maintain some sort of sanity like we got to find we got to find this thing it's it's kind of dangerous to have a material object be so important because you can lose it or it can Mm -hmm. whatever get damaged or get left behind on a plane or get left behind on a plane oh um, so my daughter, Madison, she had her um, bunny. She was older. She's much older. She was she was in middle school when this happened. We had gone to Florida for a vacation, and the, the flight was really early in the morning, so we stayed at a hotel the night before, and somehow bunny got, got left behind. And we, of course, didn't realize bunny got left behind until later after we landed in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. So... 
Actually, you know that I'm thinking about it. Maybe we knew on the flight because my first call was to the the Westin Hotel, seeing if they could track it down, and no one was no one was calling me back. And um, so I used social media the first time <laughs> ever. I I tweeted at Westin, <laughs> and um, I got someone to respond, and and then we started DMing each other. And they was like, yep, we'll, we'll track down, we'll track down Bunny. And they, they did, they put me in contact with the general manager at the hotel. And so they held, they held on to Bunny, I'm sorry, to Bear for my daughter until we got back, which was a week later. Mm -hmm. And we went back to the hotel and grabbed it. And they put together this little adventure kit, like this, this is what Bear has been doing while you were gone. It was, it was really sweet. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever do this in school where you sent out a stuffed animal like over spring break, like a flat Stanley. I was just about to say the kids do flat Stanley mm-hmm. stuff. My, my kids did that. Um, I never did it, but no. my both of my kids did that. We sent flat Stanley to my sister in Chicago, and my okay. sister in Chicago did. She doesn't have any kids, but she really, she really went above and yeah. beyond. I still have the little. She because we had to make a little board. I mean, she went above and beyond. Like took her, like to the field museum. Took her to work. Took her to lunch. Wrote her on the uh, wrote him on the um on the L. Yeah. You know, it was yeah because it's cool. like feeling that childish excitement again so when we were young we had we picked a stuffed animal and i think my mom just bought me one from the dollar tree or something like a basic i think it was a bear and we had somebody take it with them on their spring break trip so i gave it to our principal because he was going to florida so then when he was in the airport in florida he gave it to someone else who was going somewhere else with and it had like a little note explaining like send it back at the end so everybody else theirs went to like a couple places for some reason, I just had good luck with mine, and it went, it went to Florida, and then it went to Oxford, England, and they wow. everybody there was so excited. They got me like a little thimble. I remember people like put little gifts in, and then wow. it went to New Zealand in wow. this small town oh, in wow. New Zealand. It was in the newspaper. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like a message in the like a modern day message in yeah, the bottle. They were wow. so excited. They sent me the newspaper clipping because it was like the small town. They're like American bear comes all the way to say it in whatever. a New Zealand accent. No, <laughs> and it went a couple other places, and then it came back, and I got all this stuff. It because I think people were just ex- like it's that childish glee yeah. comes back to you as an adult. Very cool. like, so fun. let me just correction, not correction, but clarification. The your principal. Gave it to somebody he knew or didn't know. Didn't know. He was a wow. real, real. I, um, I don't know if you know him, Larry Thomas. He's in the Rochester administration mm-hmm. now. He's he was like a dream of a principal. He was like the coolest, friendliest principal in the whole world. And so I'm sure he made friends with somebody on the plane or whatever, and and gave it. And then they and then they told two people and they, and they it, told two people. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's really that's fun cool. story. They took it very seriously, cool. and then yeah, it is. Just Do you like still have your thimble? I had it for a long time. I don't. It had a little painting of like a Oxford Bridge scene on it. You're gonna find it in your parents' house one I'm day. I'm sure, I like will. in a box. Yeah. You're gonna be like the Oxford thimble. Yeah. And then you can bring it in and show us. Did that. you get a letter from all of the yeah. people? Do you still have those things or not? I don't know. My, no. It might be at my parents' house, but it was. I felt a little bashful because it wasn't a stuffed animal I cared at all about, like other people. <laughs> these like stories. And I just, you know, I was a kid and I didn't know. I knew we were supposed to hand over a stuffed animal and just had this good luck, and it was cool. Reading that third one for me felt like that kind of um, nostalgia for when you were a kid and you're starting to outgrow your toys. And I remember like putting my toys in my closet, like they were around my room. And then as I got into like middle school and things, 
you know, you start packing things out, putting things away because you're too cool for stuff. This third book reminded me of that sadness I felt when I watched Toy Story 3. Is it 3 where they go to his toys go to the preschool at the end or the daycare? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was that like, as a kid, it's a great message of like, you can let go, you can share your toys and, and kind of pass them on as you outgrow them. But for an adult, this book is, it has a little bit of that, but also like some sad nostalgia too. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Did either of you guys kind of feel that? So I don't have the experience that you have about as a kid packing up my kids and putting them away. I have more of that now with mm -hmm. my with my kids stuff. You know, my kids are seventeen and nineteen, and you know, I, every once in a while I'll open up a drawer and I'll be like, "Oh, Madison used that when she was five. Mm -hmm. Like I have more of that nostalgia now. I have a harder time mm -hmm. getting rid of things that I maybe had more of an attachment to than my kids because I associate them with, mm. with certain stages in their life or certain mm -hmm. experiences or whatever. Okay. So, yeah, for my own personal stuff, I don't remember having a hard time parting with it. What about you? I was the oldest, so I think I gave all my stuff to my sister. So, so you still kind of saw it on the regular for a while. Yeah, and I, I was never very... Um, I would get sad this is the weirdest but i would get i think because i watched brave little toaster which messed me up about inanimate objects did you ever watch that no i don't know what that is it's like this tragic oh story about like inanimate objects getting thrown away and like the trauma that is inflicted upon them so like you throw out your toaster and then it's in this like kind of like this hellscape landfill where yeah, no seriously that's <laughs> it's a good like way really to describe scary it. sad i just remember that is Affecting it like a book to encourage recycling it's so that movie. stuff no, doesn't end up oh it's a movie oh i'm sorry 91 it could have been because i i watched that's when like around when i was watching fern gully too so then Ugh, that was like very heavy-handed environmental stuff so brave little toaster but i think it was just anthropomorphizing inanimate objects the way that kids yes. do. Hmm. And it, is it a cartoon or is it live yeah, action? Cartoon. Oh, it's a cartoon. Oh, okay. hmm. and it's, oh my God, it came out in 1987. So I would have, yeah, that would have been. I didn't see it until I was like too old for it. I was like 11 or 12 and my cousins were younger and they the were watching. Now. And I was like, what is this garbage? There was the lamp. Oh, yeah. oh it's a Disney. Hmm. Is it? I never, it's oh what it says God. at the top, right? Look at that, Olivia. I didn't know there was a Disney movie. I didn't either. I just remember it. Being like, did one. I misread that? No, you didn't. It, it okay. says an adorable adventure that kids will treasure, <laughs> just like the trash that they fill our landfills with. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad. Wait, they made another one called The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. Bye. Dark. We went to a dark place. We sure did. I also, as a kid, like I was one of those super old souls where I felt nostalgic for stuff that I did not experience. Like <laughs> people would talk about jazz and like, oh, my parents would be talking about stuff that they watched with their parents and everything. And I'd be like, oh gosh, I miss that stuff. Like, <laughs> I've never seen any of these movies or things. I was one of those kids. I just had like, it's like the, those it's are the like, days. It's like you have this sadness for stuff that you didn't really experience. It's like yeah. somehow there's like a 90 year old old woman stuck in my body that was like really just saying, what is that oh, transference? I, I don't know if that's the yeah, right word of that word, but yeah, 100% <laughs> probably what I have. I'm going to talk about that with my therapist tonight. <laughs> but I wondered though why you asked, Mandy, because did you have a hard time getting rid of all your childhood stuff? Did you like have that sadness? I did. I remember how guilty I felt. I got had a teddy bear. We um, we lived in Detroit when I was a kid, and my parents built this house out in Fenton. And we moved there the summer before I started second grade. And I remember that bear was always, um, that first Christmas I got this bear. He was pink at the time, so I named him Pinky because 
I lack imagination. But I remember keeping that somewhere in my room until I went to college. And I remember being like, is it weird to take your teddy bear to college? Like, you get so used to something being with you. And it's not like I, you know, held him at night when I slept anymore. But he was always on my bed. And I remember being like... I probably shouldn't take my teddy bear to college, right? And putting him <laughs> in my closet and feeling so guilty when yeah. I closed that college door or that um, closet door when I was like 18. Because you were like a Because I was leaving my child. body. Yeah. Yeah. Guilt. You know, I, I bet birth order has something to do with probably. it. Because I've, I remember feeling sad when I was the first one to leave my family's house and mm-hmm. to like have to, and um, feeling guilty that, about that. But then I was like, oh, but they have... You know, my sister still. They have so. each other. They have each other. <laughs> Versus me, when I went to college, I was sad that the gilded age was over. Yeah. You know, my 90-year-old trapped in my body. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, prohibition. Those were I the was days. so mad about the jazz era coming to an end. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you about when my 18-year-old son went off to college. He uh, he did not take his bunny with him, mm-hmm. but he left bunny a very prominent place oh, good. on his bed. Where it belonged. He yeah. tried to tell himself yeah. he was doing that for you, but we know he was doing that for himself mm-hmm. for when he comes back to visit. For when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Kind of similar to that, um, my sister had a Raggedy Ann doll when we were kids, and um, she was the oldest, and I was the youngest, and she wouldn't always play with me, so I'd get um, kind of upset. And um, I had taken some scissors, some Crayola children's scissors, and cut the hair <gasps> off of her Raggedy Ann doll. And her Holly Hobby doll, by the way. Yeah. And so my mom, my sister would tell this story all the time when we were like teenagers and when she was in college. So then when I went to college, my sister was out of college by the time I started. um, And she was kind of, uh, she was dating her now husband. So when she would go to my parents' house, she, my mom had bought her a brand new Raggedy Ann doll when she was like in her 20s. (laughs) My sister told this stupid story so many times. That my mom's like, fine, I got you a new Raggedy Ann doll. Look, Mandy can't cut her hair off. We're all adults, blah, blah, blah. That thing, Raggedy Ann and Andy freak me out. They just have the dead eyes. They're like clowns. I don't like them. So whenever I would go home from college to sleep at my parents' house, my sister somehow would always beat me there, and she would hide that doll in the bed. But she'd put it in different places. Like the first time, ha, ha, when I pulled the blankets back at night, it was like, ugh, because it was right there. And then one time she put it down at the foot of the bed, so when I climbed in and scooted over, my feet touched like the hair. Um, the yarn hair. The yarn <laughs> hair. Unfortunately, my sister moved to a different state, so she can't do this to me anymore. But she did one time put it on. She had her kids hide it in my bed when I stayed with them once in South Carolina. I was like, you're raising monsters. <laughs> so, you know. Complicit. You can also have the opposite with, with beloved toys where you can mess with other people. Yeah. If it's their fear object. So yeah, that's important toys to recognize. scary, too. Dolls can be very scary, like mm-hmm. those antique dolls. Annabelle. Clowns. Did you guys see Clowns. Annabelle, that movie about the murder doll? No. Yeah. That'll haunt your life. I can't unsee this one scene that happens in a basement in that movie. Hmm. Chilling. Don't watch it. So did you ever watch the lunch doodles thing that Mo Willems did during lockdown when... You did, Manda. I did. Oh, is that where he was teaching people to draw cartoons? Yes. My daughter, yes, my da- no, I totally forgot. My daughter watched it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. I thought it was very, and like, I'm not very artistic or whatever, but it was just nice to have something about it hit during that time. Maybe it was very simple. Mm-hmm. It was like a distraction. I don't know. What it's it so funny. Like, I know that COVID is not that far behind us but it's funny how i've already kind of compartmentalized some of my experiences during that time where people say something i'm like 
oh my gosh, I forgot. We watched all of Parks and Rec during COVID. Yeah. We were talking when we, we recorded um, an episode last week with some of our coworkers where we talked about The Princess Bride. And I totally had forgotten that during COVID, a bunch of actors filmed different parts of the movie and they put it all together and made. Yeah. Did you see that? No, but I know what you're talking about. So I heard about that it. That kind of stuff. Yep. I forgot that Mo Willems had done the drawing stuff until you brought it up a couple days ago. And my friend's kids did it. And it was such a good thing to keep them busy because yes. they were getting so squirrely at home. Mm-hmm. And he has a really good way of talking to children. Yes. I So I read an article um, in the New York Times that was an interview with him and it was around that time where he was doing the lunch doodles and they asked him, he, he was very, um, like he was very combative in the interview. He seems like he, he really likes that sort of punk rock aesthetic. And I think this is the one where they asked him, um, when I was first putting together my questions for you, I realized that a lot of them had to do with things like how can we help kids with the ambient stress of parents worrying about the pandemic or politics? Maybe it's wrong for me to assume that a successful children's book author has unique ideas about kids' emotions. Let me ask you, do you have any special insights about kids? And he said, probably the most fundamental insight is that even a good childhood is difficult. You're powerless. The furniture is not made to your size. But when parents come up to me and ask, how do you talk to the kid about the pandemic? They're asking me to be disloyal. They're actually asking me about a form of control. Hey, you have a relationship with kids. Help me control them expletive you. I am not on your side. I wish there was a better way to say it. The real answer is show that you don't know. Show them that you're fumbling. Why wouldn't you? So he was like popping off on, on parent. He's like, I'm not on your side. I'm on your kids. So side. I would say mm-hmm. if I was in court, objection, non-responsive. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of it. Try again. Try again, <laughs> Mo Willems. <laughs> so he said, but he goes on to say, Um, How do you expect your child to fall and then stand up and say that's okay when you won't even say, I don't know how to discuss the pandemic with you? Are children not allowed to be upset? Does that inconvenience you? You want to protect and prepare them, but I'm saying it's not easy. So basically he's like... Model model healthy behavior by showing them you can struggle and make it through it. Yeah, Not everything is perfect or easy. Not to hop on a totally different train going in the opposite direction, but I did want to acknowledge... um, Mo Willem is very popular here in Troy. Probably the most popular things that um, still check out, like gangbusters for us, are Elephant and Piggy. I don't know if your kids read those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have them in our easy reader section, and we have between 9 and 12 copies of every single one of the, the books in that series, and I think there's 12 in that series. And then he has a new spinoff series. Not spinoff, I shouldn't have said that. He has a new easy reader series called The Unlimited Squirrels. Same thing, we've got 10, 12 copies of each one. Yesterday, none of Mo Willems, none of those easy readers were on the shelf, which mm. is saying a lot about its popularity here in Troy. But he's also popular for the pigeon books. Don't right. let the Kids pigeon drive the bus. Um, can the pigeon have a hot dog? I know I'm botching the title of that one, but um, also very popular. Um, so I was kind of doing some research as I was preparing for this, and I couldn't find anything on Knuffle Bunny or Nuffle Bunny as far as a quiz and I love doing quizzes on the show, <laughs> but I did find a, are you an elephant or a piggy? Oh. So would you guys be willing to do this? Yes. Okay. Do sure. Have, I didn't bring pencils with me. Do you have, I have a pencil? from last time. Do you need to know the book to answer, to do you the don't. quiz? Okay. You don't. It's like one of those that you would take in Cosmo where you just have to, <laughs> you have to pick an A or a B. 
And this is, um, I'm actually stealing this quiz, is a Barnes & Noble quiz called Barnes & Noble Reads Quiz, Are You More Elephant or Piggy? And that's Elephant and Piggy. Elephant is Elephant. Piggy's name is Gerald. Gerald. Gerald okay. the Pig. I Gerald love that. What is the elephant's name? Just Elephant. Oh, oops. They never tell you if he has a name besides Elephant. Are you Her. doing it too, Amanda? You betcha. You betcha. I already think I took it, though, so I already know who I am. Thank you. So we before we move on, um, why do you think Mo Willems is so popular here in Troy? Um, like is it is because I don't know if it's necessarily the writing. I mean, the writing is pretty simple. Is so it is it the with those elephant style? and piggy are super simple. I mean, most of them are what we consider reading level one. So minimal language, repetition, sentence or maybe a sentence on every page. A lot of dialogue. A lot of like yes, no. Um, I think it's because he does not take himself seriously. The books are very silly, but again, like Nuffle Bunny, he does a really good or has a really good way of acknowledging things that children experience in a way that is very real to kids. Like there's one um, about, um, and I know it's got a bat in it. I can't remember what the title is, but um, Gerald starts hanging out with another guy who's a bat. <laughs> Gerald hangs out with him, and Elephant starts getting worried that he's going to be replaced. And, he, you know, him and Piggy have oh, always gotcha. been best friends. And so there's this concern that this bat is going to replace him as his best friend's new best friend. So it's things like that. There's one called Should I Share My Ice Cream? Um, you know, things like that, that it's like you love your best friend, but it's like when you're a kid, I could just eat this whole thing by myself. I don't need to even tell them I had ice cream. Like the things that you actually, the thoughts you have as, as a kid. As an adult, you mean too? As an adult. <laughs> I've gone into Olivia's office and I'm like, can I have a piece of candy? And I see this look lays over her eyes and then it's she snaps gone. out and she's it's like, oh, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> you know, there's a thought process that goes on there. So I think he does, he does very, he writes books that are themes that kids actually experience every day at the age that they're reading them or at the age right before they start reading them since these are easy readers. We're talking kindergarten, first graders. And so they can, even if they experience it a year or two before, they can laugh at it because they know they've gone through those thoughts, right? Relatable. If I ever got a literary tattoo besides my Dewey Decimal one, we talked about 8 million episodes ago, ago, it might be... Might be Elephant and Peggy because they speak to my soul. Aww. All right, my friends. So you're <clears throat> going to get two choices for every question. You're just going to write down A or B. Okay. Okay? So this is our Barnes & Noble quiz. Are you more Elephant or Piggy based on Mo Willems? Very popular Elephant and Piggy easy reader series. All right, question one. When someone offers you a surprise, you think A, tell me what it is right now, or B, oh, goody gumdrops. Question two, if you get too wild when you're playing, you're most likely to A, break your trunk, or B, oink like a maniac. <laughs> okay, question three, how do you feel about the big guys? A, how big are we talking? I'm pretty big. Or B, they're scary, except for elephants, they're the best. Question four, what's your favorite instrument? A, birds on my head, or B, a trumpet. Whoever wrote this at Barnes and Noble yeah, this used like the their time quiz. so well. I love this everything about this, this quiz. It's like an Alice in Wonderland quiz, right? <laughs> Question five. What do you hate more than waiting? A nothing. B ruining a surprise. Question six. What would you be willing to do for your best friend? A eat slop. B nothing less than reveal the mysteries of the universe while stargazing. 
This is a dream. <laughs> this, is this is really real happening. <laughs> this is, I think I'm dreaming about the podcast little, I'm going to do tomorrow. A little trippy. Um, question seven. <laughs> do you snore? A, nope, not me. This nose is perfect. B, loud and proud. <laughs> so they're just so random, and I know that these are all based on the books, which is cracking me up. Uh, number eight, what makes you sneeze? A, pigs, or B, tidy places? Number nine, what's your favorite sport? A, whale ball, or B, hopping like a frog? <laughs> I'm supposed to know what whale ball is. Maybe if you read the book. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds I'm just going to use my imagination because I don't remember this particular book. Number 10, do you like playing outside in the rain? A, rain or shine, I'm ready to dance. B, rain ruins everything except for best friends. They're always the best. Count your A's and B's and write down what you have more of. What did you have more of, Olivia? A's. Okay. I had more B's. Did you? Oh, I had more A's. Uh-oh. Okay. If you got mostly A's, you're more elephant than piggy. At heart, you're a worrier who believes being careful is the best way to avoid trouble. You often find yourself feeling indignant at life's big and small injustices, but you're also a world-class best friend and champion of the downtrodden. Olivia is just shaking her head no. No, that's not me. I could kind of tell from the quiz, even though I've never read Elephant and Piggy. Well, read Piggy. Let me see if I'm right. Okay. When an elephant has your back, you know everything is going to just be just fine. We would all be lucky to be your friend. So that was the A's. That is you as Elephant, you and I. I'm also more Piggy personality-wise. I feel like Piggy, yeah. Okay. If you got more B's than A's, you're Piggy. You're passionate, impulsive, smiley ball of joy, unless you need a nap or there's rain or... Piggies can often be found starting a new project or embarking on exciting adventures, but you're not going anywhere without a friend. You're fiercely loyal to those who care the most about you. You put the B in BFF. Hmm. I would say I'm more piggy. Impulsive and... Yes. Then I am How come he doesn't like rain? You think that that was the dividing one for you? Yeah, because I do like rain, but elephant seems to like it better than maybe i am elephant. the mystery's it's gonna so be solved to when know. you come to the children's department and read those stories i need to be reading those. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this this was the best yeah no yeah. thanks for having me i'm glad you <laughs> you wanted to have <laughs> oh, me oh we were so yeah, excited thank you so much it was yeah, very nice come to back meet you. you yeah you guys do and you guys do a great job you have such a good rapport i love your voices thank you for listening to the books we loved a podcast through the troy public library you can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.